Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey the Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey and I am your host and I am so happy that you are here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest that comes on and chats about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player so that you guys will never miss an episode. Hey friends, happy Tuesday. How are you all doing? Since our last episode, I have been inspired by my friend Amy to start a book club with my friends. In the past several months, I have been examining what it means to be a better ally to people of color, as well as continuing to grow and learn more for myself. As part of this, I've been working on being more intentional about what content I am consuming and who or what I am following on social media. Personally, I have come to recognize that I enjoy growing in a small group setting. So with that said, I know that I also don't have all the answers and I want to learn from others and from their experiences. And I think that there's just something um, about the intimate setting and community that makes learning from and hearing others' experiences more tangible and personal, while at the same time lending a sense of urgency for action and change. So based on those thoughts, I have been inspired by Amy and just the events around me to create a monthly book club. My intention is to generate a space that will help foster the discussion of ideas, examine and confront our internal biases, as well as to dismantle the systemic oppression that harms our country and our communities that we live in. The change begins with us and from within. In this book club, we will be reading books that help to broaden our views of the world and others' experiences. The hope, my hope for this book club, is that it would foster community support as well as community action through sharing and listening to one another's diverse stories. And I wanted to share this with you all to just share the first book that we're reading for our book club so you can read along with us. Our first book is called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. And I will link this in the show notes for you. Listeners, welcome to our 24th episode. Today on the podcast, we have Kayla Yim. Kayla and I met during our college years at Moody Bible Institute. I met her because she was on my friend Amy's floor, the Amy and I just mentioned above, who inspired me to start the book club. Some other Moody guests that have also been on the podcast were Lacey Godsave, all the way back from episode one, our first episode, Lauren Lane from episode three, Melissa King from episode six, Matthew Boffey from episode nine, Nate Edmondson from episode 13, David Loke, episode 16, Angela Blocker, episode 20, and most recently, Bethany Bayless from episode 22. Kayla is from California and grew up being very close to her family, her cousins, and her grandparents. Growing up, she enjoyed playing sports and was very academically focused. Once Kayla gave her life to Christ at age 14, during her freshman year of high school, she began spending most all of her free time at church. She loved being involved with youth group and volunteering whenever or with whatever she could to be at church. Kayla walks us through her college application journey, which began with her not wanting to go to college because she did not think that there was a major that she felt passionate about. She recounts how her mom strongly urged her to try and find a college that she wanted to apply to. Kayla happened to remember that someone told her 
only one time about Moody Bible Institute and how you could study the Bible there. She then literally went from Googling Moody Bible Institute to completing her application all within a six hour time frame. Throughout this conversation, Kayla shares with us the importance that discipleship and mentorship have played in her life. How when she went to college, she was working through the emotions of her parents getting a divorce and how discipleship and mentorship from other women played a crucial part in walking through this process. Kayla shares with us about how she is the first person in her family to not only go on to complete college, but also then to pursue a job in full-time ministry. In Kayla's story, she highlights her passions of discipleship, mentorship, youth ministry, and missions. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Kayla's story about discovering that there was a major and a career for her passions of discipleship, youth ministry, and missions. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Kayla Yim. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Kayla, and she is up in Minnesota and graciously giving us some time to learn about her story and her passion. So, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Audrey. Thanks so much for having me. So, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, maybe what you do, and any fun facts or hobbies that you like to do? Yes, of course. So, my name is Kayla. I was born and raised in California, and I currently live in Minnesota. I work for a nonprofit missions organization, and we take high school students on international missions trips in the summer for about six to eight weeks. Yeah, I've been doing that for about six years now, and I love it. I've been a part of the organization for 12. Some fun facts about me. I love to run. I love to read and write, and I also love eating donuts. I don't know what it is about donuts, but they are my love language. Do you have a favorite type of donut? Glaze, Long John? Yes, chocolate Long John. Every time. Oh, wow. Do you like it to be filled or not filled with that custard stuff? Definitely not filled. Okay. My preference is filled. I love that custard gooey gooeyness. <laughs> See, and that's why I shy away from those because I don't like the ooey gooeyness. I want the do chocolate. Have, do you have a special donut place that you go to or that you prefer? Yes, actually in Minnesota, there is this donut place. I think they were on the Food Network, Ooh. but I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. They're called Glam Doll. Oh, love the name. And they just have all of these weird exotic donuts, like glazed donuts with fruity pebbles on it or sriracha bacon. And then they also have just classic sprinkle donuts or chocolate long john or whatever. Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. Sriracha bacon. Yeah. Love to try it. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and maybe just kind of a little bit, not necessarily like you need to know your second grade teacher unless they were, you know, super impactful in your story, then we want to hear all about them. But can you just give the listeners a little taste of what life was like growing up for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I was born and raised in California. I grew up in a family of four. So mom, dad, and a younger brother. He is about four years. Well, he's not about. He is (laughs) four years younger than me. And we grew up in the Anaheim, Pasadena area. And so we grew up going to Disneyland. It felt like our second home, basically. We used to always tell our parents, do we have to go to Disneyland again? That's so funny. (laughs) Because we would go so much. But we loved it. Yeah, I I grew up in a really tight-knit family. My grandparents were like my second grandparents. I lived really close to my cousins and my aunt and uncle. My cousins were basically like my siblings. So we did everything together. And then as we got older, we all kind of just moved away and, yeah, did our own thing. And so now we don't really get to see each other that often. But, yeah, I love my family. Awesome. As you were growing up, did you have any kind of things that kind of marked you in terms of growing up milestones or any passions or hobbies that developed as you were growing up, maybe high school and below? I would say, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed sports, but I never really got into sports as far as school went. Mm -hmm. I kind of just played them on the side. I was always really academically focused. But I mean, this isn't really a hobby per se. But as a high schooler, I was really actively involved in my church. I ended up giving my life to Christ when I was about four or five. But I didn't really know what that meant until way later in life. And so After I gave my life to the Lord when I was 14, my faith just completely took off and I spent all of my free time at church. I was always doing youth group things. I was doing all of the youth group activities, whether it was volunteering for a random service night for Mm -hmm. a function my church was hosting or being a part of the worship team or going on missions trips. Those were my extracurricular things outside of school was all church related and youth group related. Yeah. Awesome. So 14 or 15, that freshman, sophomore year? Yeah, freshman year. Awesome. So you spent a lot of time in your high school years, super involved with church. Then as you're coming to the end of your high school time, what were your thoughts about your next step in terms of what you were going to do after high school? Did you know if you wanted to go to college? Did you know if you wanted to start working right away or another option? So I actually did not want to go to college. I remember my mom specifically saying, Kayla, you need to start applying to colleges because you need to figure this out. And I remember telling her, well, I don't really know what to do. I don't, I don't want to go to college. Like there's nothing that I want to go to school for. Oh, wow. (laughs) I, I just, I was not interested in, in going to school to become a teacher or a a nurse or (laughs) I, yeah, I I didn't really know what I wanted. The only thing that I knew 
being a graduating senior was that I loved doing life with people, mm-hmm. just listening to their stories or I just, I am such a people person that I was like, there is no way that, that I can use this and go to school for what interacting with people. Like <laughs> there's no, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm really empathetic and I love listening to people and I love just doing the daily life with people. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I really wrestled with, well, how does that translate to going to college? And uh, I remember, I remember thinking, wait, there is this Bible school that someone briefly told me about. She had mentioned it kind of in passing Mm -hmm. and I didn't take any thought to it until that night that my mom said I needed to start filling out college applications. And I was like, okay. So I went onto Google and I typed in (laughs) Moody Bible Institute. I was like, I've heard this term one time. This term. (laughs) Or I've heard of this school one time. And I don't know what it's about, but it's a Bible college. And I also loved to study scripture. I loved being in the word and doing Bible studies. So all of these things. I started to kind of not piece together, but I guess at that time, I I didn't know that all the things that I was passionate about were actual things that, that could be used in ministry. Hmm. And so uh, I Googled Moody Bible Institute and I read about it. And I submitted my application that night. I oh, spent wow. Hours. I was so, I read, I, I read all the info and I was like, this is it. So I'm from in. like Googling to completing an application in a six hour period. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I did the early admissions application. So that week I went to all my pastors and youth pastors and I was like, you need to fill this reference out ASAP. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah. And then I just went through this waiting period of waiting to hear back from them. And during that waiting period of waiting to hear whether I was accepted or not, I really began to seek the Lord and to pray about if this is what he would have for me that I would get in. And so this whole waiting period, the Lord grew in my heart, the desire to, to pursue this school. I was just thinking there isn't anything else that really seems to be a good fit except for the school. Did you look at other Bible schools or were you looking at other colleges? I think I had received a flyer in the mail for Colorado (laughs) Christian University and I was like well my mom wants me to also have a backup school so I guess I'll apply here and if all else fails I will go to Colorado Christian school (laughs) but that was it Moody was like I knew that that's where I wanted to go 
So you applied for, you said early acceptance. And then did you, did you find out soon or how did that approval acceptance work? No, I did not find out soon. I think I probably waited three to four months. Oh, wow. That's a long wait. Yeah. I think they were a bit delayed just in some of their, they were backed up as far as reviewing applications or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I waited for a while until I had heard from them. And you, so you got accepted and was that like in the springtime? Yes. Yeah. I got accepted probably a couple months before I was leaving on my summer mission trip. Awesome. So you knew you, you knew where you were going and then how was your transition from high school to college? What was that like for you? Of like moving away from home and kind of navigating a new, new normal. Yeah, man, I will say it was a really hard transition for me. I was the first kid in my family to go to college. And so my parents were also navigating this and trying to figure out how to send their daughter off across the United States to a school that they had never even heard of. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was a really hard transition. I think partly because I had just spent the entire summer in Israel. And when I arrived back home from my mission trip, in Cal or when I arrived back home from my mission trip in Israel, mm-hmm. I only had three days. Oh uh, wow. To, to pack up all my stuff at home and to essentially pack my bedroom and then to fly out to Chicago and move myself in for my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. So the transition was actually pretty difficult just in that regard alone, but I think some of the harder transitions were just navigating what life apart from my family and my parents looked like and Mm -hmm. being an adult and having to make decisions on my own and figure out a schedule and my own routine and how do you eat well (laughs) on your own and how do you have an exercise plan or do you? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that first year of college was was pretty rough in that regard. Wow. Did you have a major that you had decided on or was it just a Bible degree? Yes. So I went in with my declared major being youth ministry and then everybody at Moody double majors. So everybody automatically has to take Bible classes Mm-hmm. So I was going in with a Bible and youth ministry degree. Awesome. Were there any events or things that happened in college that you were kind of markers and just things that looking back on you can see really shaped you? Gosh, yeah. Can I just say all of college? <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. So I think a huge part of my story and my testimony and how I got even to where I am today is just through, just through some hard things that I worked through with my family. Mm-hmm. My parents separated when I was 14. 
And so I was working through a lot of those emotions and the pain as an adolescent. And that's actually how I ended up in the church. I didn't really know where else to go. And so my cousin invited me to youth group. And that's when I gave my life to the Lord. So when I went to college, I thought, man, I am going to be thousands of miles away from all of this. And I'm going to leave all of this pain behind. I'm going to leave the emotions that I felt behind. I was going to leave the brokenness that I felt. But when I moved to Chicago and started my first year, I realized that all of those things actually still followed me. (laughs) They were still with me when I went to school. My parents' divorce was actually finalized my freshman year at Moody, so when I was 18, and pair that with finding out that I had two other siblings that I was unaware of, my world was just totally shaken. And so during that time, I really sought out wise Christian counseling Mm -hmm. and community with other believers And other women, older women, upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, to just kind of do life with me. I was really in that place of needing some sort of intentional mentorship and discipleship and counseling. And the Lord really used those things my freshman year to kind of launch me into or to give me a passion for what I'm passionate about today and why I do what I get to do today. That's, I was going to say that's awesome, but it's, it's awesome that it turned out this way, but going through it is the hard work and hard stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So as you, you were working through that during your college years and also, you know, living the college, college life and navigating that whole new set of circumstances. So you, as you were going through your college years, as you were coming to the, to the end, how were you doing then with all of those things? And then also what were you thinking about doing after you left college? Did you have a plan for that? Yeah. So I would say being in the midst of all of that and just trying to figure out what do I do or where do I go from here? Yeah, I think because I and I had had about four women mentors who really rallied around me when I was in high school. So that paired with the people who poured into my life when I was in college, I think going through that when I was in college, it really just gave me more of a love and a passion to meet broken and hurting people where where they're at. Because I had those people who entered into my life in that season, and I saw the huge impact that that had on me. And so I had already traveled with the organization that I'm currently with, I think for about five or six summers. And so they are very discipleship focused. And I had gotten to do a lot of that discipling in my travels with them. And so as I was thinking about what do I want to do long term, as I was seeing the Lord use the the experiences that I had walked through to minister to other young women, 
I thought that it was only natural that I would start working for this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I'd already been really plugged in with them. And my heart was already for them and for the students that sign up for these trips. And I got to use and get to use a lot of my life story and experience with these students who come through because a lot of students today even come from backgrounds whose parents are divorced or separated. And so when I was um, getting ready to graduate from college, um, that's when I applied to work for this nonprofit. And yeah, I'm still with them. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about more what specifically you do maybe on like a, I don't know, day to day or week to week kind of thing? I'm sure it shifts in different parts of the year, but just a kind of general idea so we can get, get that understanding. Yeah, for sure. So during the year, usually we like to term it like during the calendar year or school year or our off months. Mm-hmm. I am an MPD coach, which which stands for a ministry partner development coach. Okay. And so what that means is I help coach all of our full-time staff in um, support raising. I help hire new staff and I basically just walk them through that whole process from the time that they submit something to me saying that they're interested in joining staff all the way through until they become fully funded. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a, kind of a big job sometimes. That's a big responsibility (laughs) to help people raise their support. Yes, it is. It is. But (laughs) I really enjoy it because it's so relational and being a relational person, I really like that one-on-one interaction with people because it's not just about the support raising or getting them to raise money. It's also about, Hey, where are you at in this? How are you feeling? Are you stressed? Are you overwhelmed? What are you working through right now? Because so much of MPD coaching is it's, it's all holistic. It's not just about raising funds. It's about Mm -hmm. the person's spiritual health and emotional health and mental health and physical health because all of that affects their support raising so that's awesome it sounds very similar to what you were describing what you what you were talking about when you were before you went into college about how you knew you wanted to live life with people and to be in community and it sounds like a more professional, polished way of what you were thinking back then. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. That's awesome. But- Hey listeners, this week our sponsor is Michelle Bernard with Olive Ranch Coaching and Consulting. She is actually going to be the next guest on our podcast. Have you been serving abroad and want to continue making a big impact in your community? At Olive Ranch, Michelle comes alongside her clients as they return home or relocate after serving internationally. Through coaching sessions together, Michelle will work with you on planning your next steps, unpacking your story and experience, and discovering how to communicate your time abroad in a way that creates a lasting impact and so much more. You can find out more on Michelle's website at www.olivebranchcnc.com. That is www.olivebranchcnc.com. 
O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-C-A-N-D-C dot com. Or you can find her on Instagram at olivebranch underscore coaching. That is O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H underscore C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. She is offering a special discount for you guys, the listeners. Email Michelle at Michelle at AllBranchCNC.com. That is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-C-A-N-D-C.com with the subject line, No Wrong Turns Pod Listener for a 10% off five session coaching package for one individual. Michelle is looking forward to connecting with you and hearing your story. Thank you so much, Olive Branch, for sponsoring the No Wrong Turns podcast today. All right, back to Kayla's story. So when you're not in your off season, what are you doing in your on season? (laughs) (laughs) In my on season, I am co-leading our summer mission trips. So we usually are gone from about the end of May until the first week in August. Mm-hmm. And I get placed on a different team or I get I get assigned a different country to travel to essentially every summer with okay. a group of high school students. Awesome. What are some countries that you've gotten to go to? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Or some of your favorites, I guess. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Some of my favorite countries I have been to, I would say Nepal is definitely up there. Poland. Mm -hmm. It's just gorgeous. It's just a really pretty country. Great people, great food. And Israel, of course. Israel's amazing. Oh, isn't it? Have you been? Yeah, I went on a tour when I was in grad school. So it was only for 10 days, but it just makes you like, I went there. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to come back. Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The culture, the food. Somehow, I think it's because we were walking so much, but I was eating every meal. Like I was getting my sustenance, but I was, I lost five pounds But when I came back. Yeah. But I was like, the amount of food I ate was more than I normally ate, would eat. But the, with all the walking and, you know, sweating, it kind of, you know, evened out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. But their food there is so good. It's so good. It's amazing. And yeah, you just walk so much because that's what everybody does there that you burn it all off so quickly. Totally. That's awesome. So when you're in the summer months with the high schoolers, can you give us a little bit more specifics on what you do day to day or week to week responsibilities that you have? Yeah. So our summers are so jam packed. Every day looks totally different. Because I am a trip leader, I carry a lot of the logistics responsibility, Yeah. as well as either the food role, so providing food for the whole team all summer, or the medical role, which is overseeing daily prescriptions every day, or the finance role, which is essentially 
having to balance 32 individual checkbooks. <laughs> wow. So there are a lot of logistics. And because I'm on staff full time, my hand is usually more in the I got to get this team from security to customs to in country to then I need to go buy food to make 35 sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. But on a day to day basis in country, we are basically getting students up early and they're having quiet time. Each small group is assigned a meal to cook. And so I have to help oversee that so that, mm -hmm. you know, they don't burn down the kitchen or. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we cook all of our meals pretty much breakfast, lunch, dinner. And they have daily quiet times that I help facilitate. And they have daily small group time where they're debriefing what they're learning in their quiet time in their small group. And they're mm -hmm. in that small group, the same small group all summer. So they really get to connect and bond well with those in their small group. Mm -hmm. And then the afternoon is usually you're out and about doing ministry. So that usually is you're hopping on a bus and you're traveling to a different village or you're traveling to an orphanage or a school. And so ministry, we are always doing some type of ministry every day while we're in country. Awesome. Yeah. And then usually nighttime is debrief the day. We'll have worship sometimes. And then we pretty much have them go to bed and we get up and do the same thing all over again. And is that for all, is that for three months or two months or what are the duration of, does that look like? Yeah. So I'm usually gone for about two months. We have a training camp in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It's our own piece of property that we own. And so the students who come usually are spending about eight to nine days in training mm -hmm. with all of the other teams. And so they're living in tents. They're living in community. Oh, wow. Tents. They're, not <laughs> they're not showering. There's no electronics. There's no makeup. There's no like nothing. <laughs> Whoa, that um, is crazy. <laughs> It is. It's totally crazy. And I realized that my life is far from normal. <laughs> but because I'm on staff, I have to be at training camp for four weeks instead of mm -hmm. just the one. Yeah. So my summer is usually pretty full between spending a month at training camp and then spending mm -hmm. a month overseas in a in a specific country all summer. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for giving us a little insight because hearing the job title or just the overview, but then getting to know the details of the day today kind of helped to clarify it a lot more. Do you have a favorite memory or maybe just a memory from you? I think what I'm really hearing you say in all the things that you're talking about of something that you're really passionate about is, I think, discipleship. Would you agree? Yes. So I really hear that come across in just the different things that you're sharing and just kind of how you're sharing is discipleship is really important of people pouring into you and then you also being able to do that to the high school students as well. So do you have a favorite memory or something that kind of relates to your passion of just a time that really ha has marked you? 
Yeah. So as it relates to specifically discipleship, I think a memory that has really shaped that passion, man, there are so many to choose from. Honestly, I'm having a really hard time just picking one because the Lord blessed me with so many different older women mentors who literally met me in every stage and season of life to help. That's so awesome. Yeah. It really is such a gift from the Lord. And, but I think I want to talk more about the younger me (laughs) (laughs) and, and how the Lord used those women to shape my passion for discipleship. To be honest, I wasn't even really seeking or looking for mentors, at least not in the traditional way that that people might think of it today of, oh, seek out an older woman or mm-hmm. man and text them and ask them if if they want to disciple you. I think that that I was hungering for that when I was in high school and because I just naturally love people and get along with most everybody I usually always gravitated towards those who were older than me or even the leaders in my youth group. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I loved the deeper conversation. I am not a great small talker. I can do it when and if I need to, but I go deep and I go deep usually pretty quickly. It doesn't take a whole lot for me to just be totally vulnerable and transparent with somebody. And so I think that I was I was like that when I was in high school Mm -hmm. and these older women who were 10 years older than me, or they were even 20 years older. Some of them were moms and were married and had kids of their own who are also in youth group. They just really were consistent in how they sought me out. And they would say, Hey, Kayla, let's go for coffee. I would love to hear how you're doing. And I had a, about three to four women who did that consistently from my ninth grade year until my 12th grade year. That's so awesome. And it was the same women, the same three to four women. And it wasn't like I, I'd asked them, Hey, can you mentor me? <laughs> they just were doing it. They were showing up. They were meeting me in in my hurt and in my pain and in my doubts and confusion. And they just ministered to me so profoundly. And still to this day, I actually talk with them and I am always thanking them, thanking them profusely for just listening to the Lord and choosing to invest in 14 year old me. (laughs) And I think that that very specifically has shaped a lot of my heart and my passion for discipleship today and is why I'm involved in my youth group and I'm going on four years of serving as a small group leader in my church and I just I love that one-on-one connection with my high school girls. That's so awesome. I just want to take a a moment and kind of pivot and ask you, still relating to your passion and work and discipleship, but if there is any kind of myths 
that you hear that kind of surrounds your passion? Anything that you commonly hear that you're like, actually, that's not quite true, but maybe it's something that you hear a lot that you could kind of debunk for us? Sure. (laughs) I think, well, specifically when I was at Moody, um, I think I was literally one of four women in the youth ministry program. And I remember just people making comments of like, oh, you're in youth, like you're a youth ministry major. Why? Or, or even just like how you're a woman, like, (laughs) even though, like I would say, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to be a pastor or to be a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just was very, at least when I was in Bible school, I felt like youth ministry was for the guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it was neat because those other women that were in the same core classes with me all four years, we really, you know, rallied together and we were mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, this can be normal. We can get women who are pursuing youth ministry who are just as passionate about seeing students come to know and love the Lord. I think, I don't think that that is as much maybe of a myth today as it was when I was in college, but I remember going into my freshman year with that kind of not, I don't think stigma is the right word. Yeah. (laughs) But just with maybe that question of, oh, wait, you're a woman and you're majoring in youth ministry? Yeah. I think that is really a good example of just kind of things that it's like, okay, you can still do this too. And there's still like avenue where you're using your degree and what you've learned in youth ministry and your small group time in your summers and your on season to be able to implement what you learned just in a different avenue. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So do your friends and family understand and support your passion for discipleship? Yes, they very much do. Being the first kid or the first child um, in my family to have gone to school first was huge. I mean, to college was huge in and of itself. Yeah. Second, being the first one in my family to go into full-time ministry. <laughs> they my my family was genuinely concerned for me because no one in our family had ever pursued ministry before. No one in my family had ever even considered having someone in their family go to a Bible school. Church was usually that Sunday thing or that Wednesday thing or when Mm -hmm. you're a kid being involved in Awana, but it was never something to make into a career or to base your life off of, so to speak. Yeah. And so when I told my family that I wanted to pursue ministry, they were all super supportive, even if they didn't quite understand Or even if they didn't understand what that meant 
fully or what that looked like. They had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions, but they have always been so supportive. And I think the biggest thing for them was how are you going to live if you are living off of full-time support as a missionary? Mm -hmm. um, How is that going to be sustaining? And so I think that was probably the biggest hindrance that my family had, but seeing me live off of support for six years now and the Lord has so faithfully provided every single month. I've never missed a bill. I've never not been able to buy groceries. I think that because I've been doing it for so long Mm. now, they're kind of like, okay, yeah, (laughs) she can do it. The Lord can do it. (laughs) So yes, they are, they are very supportive. That's awesome. I want to just pivot a little bit and ask you a few kind of guidance questions. So if someone who is listening and they're thinking, oh, you know what? I, I'm kind of resonating with this. I love being in community. I love relationship. I am interested in learning more about this idea of discipleship. What would you say for the next step for them? What would you suggest? So I think the biggest thing for me was just recognizing that the Lord can use me. I know that that sounds probably really simple, but I think taking into account your personality, your temperament, your spiritual gifts, looking at the things that that you are passionate about, Mm -hmm. recognize those areas, recognize the ways that God has created you and use that for the kingdom. I, I thought that being highly empathetic and sensitive was a bad thing until I was about 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And I would just say that the Lord can use you, your personality, your giftings, and to not discredit those or to not look down on something that that really is a gift because those things that I thought were bad qualities were actually some of the ways that that the Lord has used the most in my current ministry and discipleship. That's awesome. Thank you for just those kind of just thoughts to get started on. That's really good. What is something that you wish you had known when you were starting out on your kind of journey and developing your passion? Maybe it's something that you actually heard from somebody, but you just didn't hear quite loud enough or something you wish you could tell yourself at the beginning. Yeah, I think, and I might be a little bit repetitive here, but I think this Mm -hmm. does correlate with the previous question that I answered. I wish that somebody would have told me that the way that the Lord had created me just was a gift in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, so I guess 
backtracking a little bit, I think a lie that I believed growing up was that I had to be more tough or I had to Mm. have thicker skin or I needed to not cry so much or I needed to not feel so deeply. And so I wish earlier on that someone would have told me that that those things, the ability, not the ability, but the high emotions, I guess you could say yeah. that I felt all the time that that those things weren't bad, but that they were actually gifts that that the Lord could use to further the kingdom in ways that I didn't even know how to put words to. Like I didn't know that that empathy was a strength. I thought that it was a weakness until I had someone actually walk me through that my sophomore year of college. Wow. That's awesome. I I think that a lot of times we have our weaker or seemingly we think, oh, this is a weaker quality. This isn't good enough or it's not, I don't know, a good asset. And it actually turns into be one of your biggest strengths when you are able to utilize it and affirmed around it. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests as they come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so humbled and so honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your car, your Google Home, your Alexa, wherever you listen to this. Thank you so much, friend. I am so grateful for you. Can you do me a favor? If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, would you do that in whichever podcast player or app you're listening to us today? If you're subscribed already, thank you so, so much, friend. I truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. I would love it if you could share the show with a friend. I find out about so many different podcast shows through recommendations from friends. Maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing it with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or a view on whichever player or app that you're listening to this on? Thank you so much. I know that these things may seem little or small, but subscribing, sharing the show, and leaving a rating or review make a huge difference in new listeners being able to find the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you again so much. Thank you for being here, for listening, and for cheering on the No Wrong Turns pod. Thanks again for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. All right, I have two more questions for you before we close. Do you have any resources that have helped you along the way um, as you've been learning more about your passion that you could share with us? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I am an avid reader and I just absolutely love books. And so I feel like I could recommend every book on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if this specifically ties into discipleship. I think a lot of the books I could give you are more just personal growth or challenging books to challenge you, whether that's in your faith or in in your everyday life or in relationships. 
but I'll just list off three books that have been super profound and helpful for me. The first one is The Broken Way by Anne Voskamp. Mm -hmm. The second one is called Boundaries by Henry Cloud, I believe. Is that um, the book that has the the red pencil? The pe- on yeah. The, I read that. Uh, I was in a group in uh, college that had like, instead of going to chapel, we got, we read that book and went through chapter by chapter. That's a great book. It is. It's amazing. There are two authors on there. And so I don't, I don't remember the second author, but. And then the third book, actually, I just read maybe a couple months ago is Nothing to Prove by Jenny Allen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Those are awesome resources and we'll share those in the show notes. All right. So we have one final question for you and that is what is fueling you today? What is fueling your passion? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to maybe a new running route that you found or a new place to eat or order from. So what's fueling your passion today? I feel like this is going to sound like a silly answer, but I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) Uh, I would say what is fueling my passion today is people. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think people, just people, relationships, friendships, people every day fuel my passion because I, being such a highly relational person, I just, I love being in community and I love doing that daily life on life with people. And so whether that's my three other roommates that I live with, getting to hear their stories or hear what is going on in their world at work, just actively listening and engaging in real, honest, deep, vulnerable conversations, Mm -hmm. those give me such life. And so I would say, yeah, just people. People in general, every day that I'm interacting with, and it could be someone that that I just meet at the grocery store. I meet people everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love people's stories and where they come from, and yeah, just getting to know who they are. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing about your passion and your story with us. Yes, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I had such a blast. Awesome. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Kayla. It was so awesome to see how she was able to identify what she was passionate about, being discipleship and mentorship, youth ministry and missions, and then how she was able to see how those could be found in her college major as well as in her current job. I had a few takeaways that kept coming up for me, and they all seemed to surround the same topic of ideas of simply the Lord being able to use you for his kingdom. I love when Kayla talked about the importance of recognizing the ways God has created you and then to use your personality and your giftings for his kingdom and how it is important to not discredit or look down on the things that could be actual gifts and assets that you have been gifted with. I hope that you are all encouraged today through Kayla's story and her passions. My prayer for you is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. 
Our episode was edited by Sophia Bote, social managed by Olivia Bote, and you can see the show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed the podcast episode this week, please share it with a friend. Thank you. And I will see you back here next time for a conversation with Michelle Bernard. Michelle was our sponsor this week, and she'll be sharing about her story and her passions and her company of Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting. Hey friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey and I am your host. I am so happy that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. We are bringing you new shows every other Tuesday, with always with awesome guests that come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player or app today so you will never miss an episode.